I had a whole different introduction ready last night. And this, this morning, two things hit me that I thought, no, I think this is now the introduction. One was, I phoned a friend last night. I texted a friend last night. I said, do you fancy going to see the suffragettes with me? We can take our banners. <laughs> and she texted me back saying, so I think we might be 100 years too late. <laughs> so I'm texting back and, ha, 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 that's really funny. And she said, no, seriously, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's really interesting because I didn't think twice about suffragettes as a film that's out that is going to be talked about a lot. How did she not know about the suffragettes? And, you know, it's fine. But, you know, it made me think sometimes I think God can be speaking to us and we kind of say, what? Because we just are not on the same page. And he's trying to speak to us about things, but we're kind of missing it because we're thinking something else, which is what I'm going to explore today. Then this morning, I was very offended and quite rejected. In my own house, the only person in the house. So about three months ago, I signed up to the seven-minute workout app on my phone. (laughs) I thought, I can do seven minutes a day. So I signed up at three, and it whistles me every night to remind me to do this seven-minute workout. Now, to be honest, sometimes I have done it. In three months, about four times. (laughs) And each of those times was because Rafaela was there. She's going, I will do it. But the other times, you know, I'm a busy person. Sometimes when that whistle goes off, I could be watching the telly. Or I might be having a coffee with a Mars bar. I can't stop and do some seven-minute workout. That's like a lot of time out of my life. This morning, the thing, it whistles me about seven o'clock at night. Today, it gave me this big bleep. I couldn't work out where it was on the phone. And this blinking app said to me, game over. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. It said, some computer thing in my phone enters my home and says, do you know what? When you're ready, come back to me. I'm not reminding you anymore. (laughs) But, you know, it's a funny thing. I am the most ill-disciplined person on the planet. But I didn't didn't get that app because I just thought, I did feel I should be exercising more. And one of the other things for me at the moment is I just felt God nudging me about spending some time in his word. And, you know, I don't get a whistle on that, but I do get a nudge. And quite often because I tend to read the Bible now on my iPad, I quite often get involved on Facebook or check my emails. And then I think, oh, I'm a bit tired now. And it's the same thing. And that whistle is a nudge, but actually more critically. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, God is nudging us all the time. And sometimes we don't hear it because we don't understand. But sometimes we don't hear it because we can't be bothered. So let's look at what that means. Following Jesus isn't a badge. You know, when you say, I'm giving my life to you, I'm surrendering my life to you, you died for my sins, you are the one who created me and I'm going to make you Lord of my life, you don't get a badge saying, I'm going to heaven. You actually become a new person. You literally go from being Avril, whoever she is for all these years, to being Avril, who God created. Literally, in that moment. We are freed from our past, from our character traits, from our habits. We can be free from all of that if we follow Jesus. And I'm going to talk today about the primary key 
to walk in freedom. And it's quite an unpopular word in our current world, obedience. And I'll cover obedience a bit, but you know, obedience is an interesting word because we live in a relative world these days. We live in a, well, what's obedience to you? Isn't obedience to me? Levels of obedience. So we're going to explore today what God says about obedience. And I'm going to be using two passages, and I'm kind of going to be going jumping in and out of them quite a lot. So I'm actually going to have them on the screen because it's really important, I think, to really get what God's saying here. And I'm going to have them up, and I'm mixing them between the um, message and the NIV and the New King James because I want the different ways to say it is helpful too. And sometimes, if we're familiar with something, if you hear it the way you've always heard it, you stop hearing it. Maybe that's just me. Right, so firstly... His title is The Tale of Two Bulls. Jamie helped me here and he said, you need a title. Right, Andrew is going to read this to us. One evening, an elderly Cherokee brave told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between you two walls inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, envy. Jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute. And then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Ephesians 4 actually says a very similar thing. And we're going to look at that now. Give me a little thing. Wait, let me just do it. Can I point it? Anywhere. Right, so... Okay, that's fine. Andrew, just read this for us. Well, that's no life for you. You learned Christ. This is Ephesians 4, it doesn't say at all. Sorry? It's okay, Kyle. Ignore me when I'm speaking, just you keep going. (laughs) This is Ephesians 4 I was explaining to the people. But we're together, so we don't have to. Ignore me. Listen to me. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him been well instructed in the truth precisely have we have it in Jesus since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance everything and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life has to go and the old man is because in the other versions it talks about the old man it's rotten through and through get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life the new man other versions say new man A God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to, then, is this. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. 
Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you make, did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart, his Holy Spirit. Moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. I don't understand that, Avril, sorry. Make a clean break with everything that is involved in cutting ah, and backbiting. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, we've got to make sure we understand. Sorry, we'll just under, yeah. sorry excuse me, I'm just explaining the Bible to Andrew here. It's fine, carry on, Andrew. Yeah. Let's not worry about the English, yeah, let's carry on. I need to read it. I, yeah. uh, be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. We'll stop there for now. Father, help us see the bits that you're nudging us on. Let us be those who are responsive to your word and hear where you're nudging us. You know, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to come today so that he can nudge us and those things where we allow the old man to actually rule rather than the new man. And because I prepared this with Jamie, of course it has to have some object lessons. So I have a little bag of tricks here. And I need a good wolf and a bad wolf. I think David Ackerman, and I won't because I won't be able to get that over your hat. Let me see. Darren and David, look. David, your bad wolf. Darren, your good wolf. Now, we are going to have a little think. No, could we? Um, I think I need one in each side of you. Have your bag. Darren's head's very big. Sorry, we didn't know that. Here's you. You have to come closer. So come kind of here on either side of me. Now, wolves like meat. And I don't, and I couldn't find any more bag, plastic bags, so this is what I'm using to touch the meat. Right. Now, because I know none of you have any sin in your lives, I'm going to use some of my own personal struggles, the things where I can choose to feed Avril the new man or the old man. Now, the likelihood of me going clubbing tonight and picking up five different men and going home is probably not that likely. The likelihood of me going out and robbing a bank tomorrow is probably not that likely. But you know what? The things that really corrupt me and the things that cause me to turn back into an old man is these really very subtle things. If I allow them to grow, you'll be amazed. So, I need your help. You might want to talk in pairs for a second. You might just want to shout out. But I need your help in my different scenarios of whether I am feeding bad wolf, old man, or good wolf, new man. Remember the story? Right, shopping. I came across the most beautiful leather jacket a few weeks ago. Beautiful. It was expensive, had the money, and I really wanted it. And I had a big do the other week that it worked, and I really wanted it for that. So I didn't buy it because I just didn't feel I just didn't feel a release. I just thought 
no, I didn't feel it was the right thing to do. Then got home and thought, I still want it. So I went out and bought it. <laughs> and I got home. I thought, I can't keep this blooming thing. And I thought, this is ridiculous. God, I've got the money. It's not a big deal. I'll just keep it. And I just, I, I hung it up on this door and I just kept looking at it thinking, I can't keep this thing. And so I took it back to the shop. And I... And even I'm, hand, even I'm like taking it to the woman's going, oh, that's a nice leather. I know it's a nice leather jacket. And then this other woman came up, she's like, that's an amazingly nice leather jacket. I know it's a really nice leather jacket. But I still had, and I'm still, as I'm handing this thing, I'm like, oh, I could keep it. No, I didn't get it. Now, why would keeping the jacket potentially feed Bad Wolf? Talking pairs for one second. No, I haven't fed you yet. <laughs> Why? What does it matter? I've got the money. It's a nice jacket. Really, really suited me. Right. Shout out. Tell me why I could have sued Jarvis at the back. Yeah. Anybody else have anything to add? You know... Yes. I have learned... Money is one of these amazingly tangible things that God uses to teach me about his voice. And I have learned that if I go against the nudge, then money is not about the thing. It's about the significance I place in it. Now, on this occasion, good wolf got fed. Now... Shopping for me is of where I look after me. It's when I'm feeling a wee bit like, well, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm just going to like look after myself. I'm just going to give myself something nice. That can be okay, or it can be really not, because it can be saying, God, you're not looking after me. So I have to learn the nudge. Arguing. I'm very, very, very good at convincing people of things that I believe to be true. I don't always be sure they're true or not, but if I've decided it's true at that moment and I want to win the argument, I am very good at doing it. Now, this can be a good thing because it has helped me argue things in, even in a, a way of justice. I, I'm good at that. But it can also be a bad thing. And about two months ago, when my mum was ill, I got jumped on a plane, had to borrow a car when I got there, got up there, was really stressed, thinking, how is she, what's happening, what's going on? Parked the car in this car park. And when I came out, realised that I should have paid. Who cares? I don't really care about parking cars. So I thought, great, I got off with it. The next day, I did the same again. I thought, well, I didn't get a ticket yesterday, so... I think these hospital parks are ridiculous. It's one of these private companies. It's a ridiculous scam. Shouldn't be allowed. The nurses and I had had a conversation about it. We all knew it was wrong, unjust, so I didn't pay. When I came out, I had a parking ticket. Very annoyed. How dare they? So I sent a letter contesting this parking ticket. But I felt I had to embellish the story a bit rather than just say I didn't pay because I didn't want it. I said I was very stressed. My mother was ill. I had come to this car park. I was very, very preoccupied with my mother in this car. And it was ridiculous I had to pay. Now, that was true the day before. 
it wasn't true the day I got the car park. Does it matter? Have a minute to talk about it. What do you think? Katie-Anne thinks I should have paid. What was I doing? Feeding the old wolf or the, the bad wolf or the good wolf? Why? It was unjust. It's some stupid private company. They were in the local paper. You told a fib. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? And it doesn't matter, does it? It's just a stupid parking ticket. It's just a... I could have had to spend 60 quid. It doesn't matter. They were terrible. What they were doing isn't just. But you know, it does matter. It really does matter. Because as I was writing the letter, I kind of thought, oh, you're lying. Help the argument. Who cares? It's not good. That's how we start things. Now, achievement. Achievement is not one of my primary drivers. Well, it's a funny thing, because it sort of isn't, sort of isn't. But um, one of my very close friends says to me, I wish I could care as little as you do when you get things wrong. It would be so much easier in life. <laughs> now, that can be a really releasing thing because I'm not... It doesn't really matter <laughs> in a good way. But in a bad way, it doesn't. Um, I was helping Raphaela when, when they were living with me with some, I don't know, some craft thing. And after five minutes, I am bored. I, you know, if the thing's not done in five minutes, let's just stop. But this child wanted to do it properly. And well. So we're having this little chat, and I'm saying, oh, Raphael, it's fine. It's fine as it is. It looks nice. She says, but it's not finished properly. I said, you know what? You don't always have to do perfect in life. Sometimes it's okay just to do well. It looks lovely. And a few weeks later, I had this conversation with Raphael in Augusto. And she was saying to him, Dad, you don't always have to do perfect, you know. <laughs> And he's like, what? Where did you get this from? <laughs> Avril said that. Now, it's a really interesting one again, because on one level, if our identity and our sense of security is based on how well we do, that is not good. But actually, I think some of my imperfection and desire for imperfection is I learn many years ago that actually maybe I might not do as well as I wanted to do so it was easier to stop at 80% and can I do alright rather than push for the 100% because I might not make it and so in a funny way and God settled all that in me but in a funny way my drive for performance became well I'm not going to go I'm not going to try too hard because I might not do it it's better to try sort of hard and sort of make it and do alright but neither of that's okay now so in terms of achievement, self-focused, I was helping Raffaella because I, you don't want to be performance-driven. But just discuss for a minute, because this is not straightforward. Was I feeding good wolf or bad wolf? Remember my motivation? I got here from this side of the room this time. Okay, this side of the room, what's the conclusion? 
everyone listen. Now let me go here first, this side, see if they come. All right, Sam. Yeah, I was bored. I just couldn't be bothered anymore. I didn't really care about her doing the best she could do or doing, enjoying it. I was just bored and I was thinking, let's get this thing over with. Now, let me give you two more. Because I want you to be thinking, these are not major things. These are not, I'm not going to go to prison for these things. But slowly, surely, and I could give you examples in my life where I've let my heart grow cold or I've let my heart go a bit hard because I've allowed these things to develop. Right, provision. When you have a family living with you, and some of you have your own family living with you, things get broken. Now, people talk to me about making the house child-friendly. I didn't think about it in terms of... I thought of it in terms of keeping the kids safe. I didn't think about it in terms of keeping my house whole. I didn't even cross my mind. And I was amazed at what a three-year-old could break. I'm just thinking, like, I didn't even know that was, like, possible. How did you even... There was one night, I'm on the phone to Virgin Media saying... Da, 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 the telly's not working, this is ridiculous, I'm waiting to record my favourite show and it's not recording. I say, well, I've gone through the steps on the internet, there's something wrong with my machine. And he says, could you just check a few things for me? And he said, is the card, the media card in the back? Said, of course it's in the back. I thought, don't just check. <laughs> now, it's really hard to get into the back of the telly box, but there's no media card there. And some child or adult or someone had spent a lot of time working their way into the back of the telly to take out this media card. And I'm, and I'm like on the phone, um, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and that's fine. And I had no problem with any breakages because it, it honestly didn't matter to me. But my sister stayed last weekend um, when I wasn't there, actually. I was away and I stayed. And this week, pretty much every day, I've received a box, a present, which is thinking well this is exciting and it was really funny because she didn't know any of these things but the boxes that arrived were things that she'd just seen in my house when she was there for a weekend thought wonder if Avril needs this wonder if Avril needs this now I can afford to replace all the things that were broken and I have no problem with things breaking it wasn't a problem but you know God sometimes helps us see that his provision is even greater than we can imagine and if I tried to protect my stuff or got a bit like and just, I don't know if he'd have done it, but actually it wasn't a problem. I knew God had given me the house for to, to have people in it. I loved having the family. And actually, bizarrely, the things that my sister sent me were some of the things that had got broken. And, you know, we can grab things or we can give things. And as we choose to give things, God will always give us back. But if I'd got a little bit stroppy... And if maybe I hadn't quite been as open-handed, it does lead to a meanness. So you don't need to answer this one. On that occasion, God was just very lovely to me and just gave me some presents. And it was very nice getting a surprise box every day this week. Finally, forgiveness. There have been times in my life where I've had to forgive things that really were hard for me, things that I felt justified not to give, hurt by, and unable to forgive. And sometimes I've said, I will forgive because I know I've got it, but not yet. Think for a minute. I'm going to forgive, I will forgive, but not yet. Now, am I standing here on that occasion, no decision? Or am I feeding something? Can I stand here with me, meat ready for the day I... You tell me. 
Take a minute. It's hard. I'm going to do it. Because I know I've got it. Middle section. Can I stand here with the meat in the bag, ready for the day I feel good wolf? Why? Yeah. Every time God says to me to do something and I don't do it, I'm feeding bad wolf. Right. Thank you, bad wolf, good wolf. Much appreciated. Let's take another look at the next bit of Ephesians. Andrew. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with our old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. There's no halfway zones. When God has spoken to us, when he's nudged us, there is no halfway zones. We will either obey or we will disobey. Now, that's a bit strong, Avril, isn't it? You know, sometimes I just need a wee bit of time to process it. Sometimes I'm not quite ready And actually, what's right to you might be different to me. The way I live it out is different to how you live it out. It's a process. Disobeying, disobeying, or not obeying is not the same as disobeying. Do you know, it really is. And sometimes in this world we live in, where it's all relative and it's all, well, see what suits you, we get contaminated by that. And we start to think... It's, you know, it can depend how we feel. It can depend what I know. I don't really know what God thinks about these things, so I think he thinks this. This morning, when I got up, again, I was on my own, so my alarm clock and my phone change automatically for the time, but my downstairs clothes don't. There was a point which I'm really thinking, I don't know what the time is. What if... The alarm clock didn't change because you've no way of testing it. You've no way of comparing it because it, tastes, it changed when I wasn't looking. And what if downstairs clocks, right? I'm speaking this morning. I don't know the time. And it truly was relative. You know, it was upstairs was saying one thing, downstairs was saying another thing. And I really started to think, I don't know what time it is. Now, thankfully, the radio told me. But that's what can life can be like. I kind of know. I know what this sense truth But these people are saying this differently, so maybe they're right. That's how we can live. Matthew 28. Reader. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. No, just one second. If somebody had said to me, what does Matthew 28 say in the Great Commission? I would have said that first bit. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptising them. I've never seen this bit. 
I must have seen it, but I hadn't seen it. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'd heard that bit. God with us till the end of the age. I hadn't got this bit about teaching them to obey. So, in the message it says this. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And look what it says in Ephesians 4. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, have been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. It's very clear that God is saying obedience is a requirement. It's not an option. Knowing what he says and living it is what it means to follow him. It's not when I feel like it, if I want, I've got my ticket to heaven, and actually my process will be things will change. When we said, you are Lord of my life, we became a new creation. We can live the way he wants us to. And the amazing thing is, this is why we can live the way he wants us to. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And then in the New King James Version, and same do not, verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And that word sealed really burned into me. You know, think, just think for a minute of what something sealed is. Just think. You'll have the picture in your head. You know, when something is sealed, it's protected. It's uncontaminated. It's new. That is what God did when he entered our lives. He sealed us in the Holy Spirit. And that became our new man. And then what happens is we break the seal because it's more comfortable. I can't be bothered. It's scary. I think people will think this if I do that. So we start to break the seal and allow some of the Holy Spirit to leak out. Now, the amazing thing is, I am not saying here you always have to get it right. Because that's crazy. It's not about getting it right. Do you know, even when we get it wrong, we can get it right. Because it's not about making mistakes. It's not about making wrong choices. Grace is, enables us to know that before God, through Jesus, we are clean. But do we want to grieve God? Do we want to break his heart? That he gave us a Holy Spirit to enable us to live as he wanted us to live, but we would choose not to? And when we don't go with the nudges, we actually choose not to. But when you get it wrong, you know, get it wrong. I get it wrong often. I know that's hard to believe. But when we get it wrong, the way to get it right is to confess that. We confess it to God, and I often think it's helpful, and 1 John talks about confessing our sins to one another, because then it's out there, it's clear. When we get it wrong, we make ourselves accountable. You know, we've talked a lot about discipleship. If when you're talking to somebody in a discipling thing, or when you're talking to one of your friends and you kind of just have a chat about things and how things are going. It's all right. 
But actually, God's given us so much more. Make ourselves accountable. When I struggle with something, I have chosen to tell people I struggle with it so that they can keep asking me about it. Because the thing I don't want to do is give the devil a foothold in my life. And if I allow myself to always make an argument by embellishing the truth, I'm giving the devil a foothold in my life. Because to me, it becomes about winning the argument, not winning the argument right. I enjoy winning an argument. But that's given that if I do it in the wrong way, I'm giving the devil a foothold. If your activities or habits or character traits, if you're an angry person, I'm an angry person, there's nothing I can do about it, just get over it. I'll get over it, I'll ask your forgiveness. It's not okay. It's okay to say I'm an angry person. And at that point, you say, do you know what? I want to see God, through his Holy Spirit, enable me to control my anger. And it's incredible how he'll do that. But you, might, you will need help in the way. So we make ourselves accountable, but we don't give ourselves wiggle room. Does that make sense? So just as we finish, it is a requirement. God does require us to obey but it's because of this promise. He will enable us to do all we want to do. And that bit, the, the message translation about he will, I will be with you day after day after day after day is the most incredible thing. God is not standing with his arms folded checking our performance. Our redemption, he sealed us and he redeemed us for all that he has for us. But we can grieve him. And we can miss his fullness. And I don't want to sit here with a badge on or a ticket to heaven. I want to be somebody who is marked by God, who demonstrates him every day, even when I get it wrong. Because that's the powerful bit. So who are you feeding? What is your focus? It has to make sense to me. That's when I'll obey. I'm sure God loves me anyway. He doesn't mind how I am. It's just too hard. Do you know, sometimes it is really hard. That video at the beginning, all these different things, sometimes it's really hard, but it's never too hard when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what he's promised us. Well, I kind of like, I'll get there one day, but in the meantime, the people around you don't know God. And I want God glorified. I want them to see him because he has rescued me. Who am I to hold that to myself for my comfort? When actually God says it's about him being glorified. Let's choose to live as he wants, not how we want. And you know the nudges. You know the whistle that goes off in your life when you're not doing the thing God's asked you to do. Don't ignore it. Feed the good wolf. Let that new man become the very basis of your entire life and that we say goodbye to the old man. When you get a text from God and you're thinking, what the heck's this about? Ask somebody, is this God? Because they'll be able to help you see it when you can. Thank you.